Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi! Thanks for joining me for episode 192 of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio. I also have some... Excellent news for you today, and I have written down the exact words that I want to say in presenting this news to you now because, because it is of the utmost epically witchy proportions, and it goes a little something like this. Carolyn Elliott is one bad witch, the editor of Witch Magazine and a coach with a dangerous reputation. She's the author of Awaken Your Genius, a seven-step guide to uncovering your creativity and manifesting your dreams. And she's on Hippie Witch, magic for a new age today, as in right this very moment. Yahoo! Welcome to the podcast, Carolyn. Oh, yay, Joanna. What a welcome. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, we're going to have some fun today, I think. Mm-hmm. Um. I actually, I want to uh, lead with something that I cut and pasted. I, I didn't ask your permission to do this. <laughs> so you can hex me afterward, I guess. But um, I, one of the moments that made me realize I was going to love you forever is uh, I didn't know you had a newsletter. I was just following your magazine, which magazine. I don't remember what led me to your newsletter, but I was like, you know, reading them and interested. And then you sent one out with a headline that read urgent, please unsubscribe. If this does not describe you, (laughs) (laughs) is it okay if I read a little piece of that to my listeners? Lay it on us. Okay. So this is what Carolyn said. I'm only here on earth to speak to the most fierce and potent leaders alive. I'm here for the hungry, dirty, bloodthirsty witches, the underworld queens, the ones who want to drastically alter the world, meddle in the trenches of history, earn a fuck ton of money, inhabit non-dual awakening, live from the most scorching Plutonian depths, bathe in the tears of their enemies, joyously get off on, revel in the most painful things that ever happened to them, have an Amor Fati, I think I'm pronouncing that wrong. You'll have to correct me in a second. Relationship with the universe. It's just what I'm built to do. I'm a bitch. I'm a hustler, a dangerous force, a spellcaster, a whore, and I've got a heart of gold. But my golden heart now hereby officially is off limits to the non-leaders and non-hustlers of the witching world. Damn, my friend Don and I both got that and we're like, holy shit, did you read that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. and, and then so everything good. changed. Sorry, everything changed after that. So was, what were you thinking when you wrote that? 
Oh, my gosh. Well, number one, I'm thinking right now that I'm real proud of myself because that resonated with you and you're exactly the kind of person that I want to be, you know, having conversations with and connected to. So, yay. Um, another, what was I thinking? I So, I have a Cancer moon um, for anybody out there who's into astrology. I imagine a lot of your folks are. And I have a, a, just a soft, squishy heart. And I'm a sap. Like, I'm kind of a sucker for any sob story anybody wants to throw my way. And I was letting my energy be really drained by folks who not, they kind of were acting like they wanted to learn and change, but on another energetic level, they really, really didn't. And I just got to a point where, like, I could not handle that. Like, I can't, I can't deal with people who aren't truly ready to, like, shed everything they think they know and in, for the sake of their transformation, if they're telling me that they want transformation. So it was just sort of a watershed moment for me and it, a clarity within myself that I couldn't, I just, I can't serve the people that I'm meant to serve who are people who are really fierce and really ready to change and go super crazy deep. Like I mentioned in the letter that bit about the Plutonian thing. Um, I'm also a super Plutonian person and which is like, you know, death, sex, transmutation, all that hot, fun alchemy stuff. So yeah, it was a, clarity within myself and I put it out there and I had like a thousand unsubscribes that day and I was deliriously happy about each of those unsubscribes <laughs> yes and, and I felt freer to be myself on my list and I felt less like I needed to coddle people because I am about things that some Wiccan type folks like are not cool with like like making money like being super sexually free and approving. I mean, there's a whole list of things. It's very funny to me sometimes. I mean, you can run into people in pagan or new age circles who are just as uptight and judgmental and as anybody in a Christian church, you know? Absolutely. Yes. I feel like you're my secret spirit animal. Everything you're saying really resonates with who I am deeply inside and then I put a very happy hippie presentation on everything <laughs> and I will say as the years have gone along I've gotten more firm in my stance and that newsletter certainly rocked rocked my world and made me think about that uh, going mm -hmm. deeper being more honest and it is great when people unsubscribe from your newsletter because they're, they're saying, I'm not your people. <laughs> and you really need to focus on who you're here to serve. And I promoted today's episode on Twitter by saying that we are going to raise some hell, which oh, is yeah. why I started with that. But I do think of you as a kind of hell raiser. Do you see yourself that way? I kind of do. A funny story. I also just remembered one of the reasons why I sent out that email was shortly before then, I had been trying to do a project called Witch Camp, which was a retreat, which cost $2,000 and was a week long. And I'd been trying to have it at a campground in Pennsylvania. And little did I realize that that campground in Pennsylvania already had an event that informally called itself Witch Camp, but which was listed on their website as something like um, Sacred Goddess Time of the Twisting Serpent Celebration Dance or something. And... <laughs> Apparently, when I announced that I was having a witch camp at this uh, 
retreat center and that it costs $2,000, which in the personal development world is fairly common. I've been to many week-long things that cost that amount. I didn't think anything was particularly strange about it, especially since it was a shadow work intensive and I was planning on having lots of intensive support and professionals there for people as they went into their depths. Anyhow, uh, people got wildly offended, hugely shocked that I was having a camping event that cost this amount because their event cost like $25 or something. And, and it was yeah. like a unity organization thing. Like I think it was connected to Starhawk's uh, organization. I love Starhawk ever since I was a kid. So then I had all of Starhawk's people, not all of them, a goodly chunk of them, um, sending me all kinds of super fun internet hate so it was amazing. I kind of, I got to be witch hunted by witches, which was very ironic to me, but also not so ironic because truly when I say the word witch, to me, that doesn't mean necessarily a set of religious practices or beliefs or even paganism. To me, it means just a woman who is empowered or not even a woman, anybody who's truly empowered and truly free within themselves, I feel like is a witch. So yes. to me, it was like, like people who didn't feel empowered in themselves getting super offended that I was empowered in myself and maybe feeling like I was treading on their territory. So anyways, that was another reason why I was motivated to send out that email because um, I am offensive. And I, if you're going to be offended, I would just like you to leave. I don't want to trouble and torture people, but I want to say the things I need to say to the people who need to hear them. Yes. Yeah. You know, I will say, I grew up in a very Christian background and Christians are more than happy to hand out that kind of money for a retreat. And mm -hmm. uh, so I was actually kind of shocked when I entered into, and the new age community is happy to do it too. It really surprised me when I like publicly started calling myself a witch, all of the shaming that goes on in the community around money. I've talked about it a lot. I wrote an ebook called the rich witch, because I think this is something that, I don't even know where it comes from, to be honest, but it has to be healed. It has to be. So that's why I loved that line, you know, to make a fuck ton of money. <laughs> it's, just mm -hmm. so, it's just so in your face. It's so like, yeah, so what are you going to do about it? Are you going to leave? You're going to call me a bitch? Or are you going to stay and actually like empower yourself that way? Indeed, truly. And, you know, to be fair, I, I think I have some sense of where it comes from, which is that there's some very understandable deep wounds that people have around capitalism and patriarchy and the environmental devastation of the earth and that all gets wrapped together in people's minds with money. And I'm never a person who, says, who thinks that money is innocent or that it's just green energy or something. To me, money is quite, um, you know, complicated and, uh, how do I say, nefarious in many ways. And I'm just not willing to try to pretend to be so self-righteous and pure that I'm above needing it to live my life and wanting it to live my life. So I like to openly wrap myself in the nefariousness of money while not denying that money and capitalism are a part of difficult, tricky, painful things. And I think it's that tendency, that human tendency to avoid living in that kind of paradox, like the paradox of knowing, hey, this thing is problematic and I'm still going to inhabit and exist within it. 
um, like trying to escape the paradox by trying to uh, like, I'll just not make any money ever. And that way I'll be clean. And my conscious conscience can be clear of all of these things, or I'll make a lot of money and I'll completely leave apart my spirituality and I'll just, you know, become a materialist, whatever, like escaping through either one of those extremes is avoiding the challenge of the paradox. And I really think that the magic is in inhabiting the paradox. I totally agree. I, I feel money is neutral personally. So I think if mm. people have hangups about it that way, that they maybe could examine what money could empower them to do. If, if you're hippie love peace and all that good shit, like, uh, how much more could you help the environment? How much more could you help your fellow people in need if you could, you know, if you had the money to really like get things moving. So, uh, you know, we lament the fact that the big, they control us with all their money and power, but then we don't empower ourselves that way. So yeah, it's a double-edged sword, but you got to pick the sword up. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I I hear you too about the neutrality point with money. I think in many ways money to me is like the spirit of uh, Mercury or Hermes or the trickster. Like it it changes hands and it has to do. Um, And I think when I say that I don't consider it neutral, probably I'm still also speaking from the place in me that has you know, the wounds and the resentments and all of the things, they're still there. And I, I just, I kind of try to navigate them the best I can. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get political here, but I did just link in last weekend's witch review to your article on the Donald Trump hex. So Donald Trump, Donald Trump aside, people can read that if they want to <laughs> read that specifically, but I would love I would love it if you could quickly give the Cliff Notes version maybe of the kind of hexing you were talking about in that post because it's really aligned with what I feel is the real dark magic. Like I don't even have a proper term for dark magic because I know like racism starts coming into play and we're lacking for Mm -hmm. a good term. Um, And I don't think there's anything wrong with the darkness. I think that's innate in being a witch is you embrace the light and the dark. But having said that, I feel that is the real dark magic going on in both the media and our own backyards. And people get themselves so worked up about protecting themselves from ill-intentioned voodoo and so-called evil spells of like the Hollywood special effects variety. But I feel that we really need to put down the fairy tales and start looking at the magic that's happening right in front of our faces here and now. And you really hit the nail on the head with, the kind of hexing that I'm interested in talking about. Thank you, Joanna. Sure. So, yeah, as I really understand it and experience it, a hex is anything that comes towards me, words, symbols, that puts me in a mental and emotional place where I'm spinning around in my insecurities and I'm feeling miserable and paralyzed and, like, I'm just stuck. And basically, I am rendered, I'm weakened by it. So for me, exactly like what you're saying, I, I have very little concern about people sitting around with black candles sticking things into representations of me. Although I do, you know, I do 
magical rituals with candles and incense and all of that thing. But like that to me is a much less pressing threat um, than the, the hexes that come, you know, like a women's magazine, like, you know, glamor or Vogue or something looking through that on a day when I'm not feeling totally 100% awesome can hex me so much harder than anybody with (laughs) black candles ever could because it's like it hits my insecurities and that have been programmed into me from living in this very toxic misogynistic culture and so that kind of thing happens to us from the media and it happens you know I do it to myself I do it accidentally to other people other people accidentally or intentionally do it to me in common everyday interactions And healing those sorts of hexes, sometimes it can be very simple. Sometimes it can be just as simple as, like, reminding myself, like, oh, you know, I truly am beautiful no matter what, and I don't need to let this bother me. Or it can be a more involved healing process of uh, really having to go within and shed some layers of that and really work to lift it. And I've met many people who seem to live their entire lives under a hex where, you know, they're parents or their teachers said something to them at some point that completely convinced them that they're worthless or they can't achieve what they want to achieve or, you know, any number of awful things. And I really feel like half of the work of magic is lifting those kinds of embedded societal hexes off of ourselves so we can just be free to shine as who we are. Yeah, it's the walking wounded. You used the word wound in that article mm-hmm. that like a hex is someone touching your wounds, I think mm-hmm. is how you, how you put it. And that's the part yeah. that really like stuck with me is like, yes, that's what it is. <laughs> and just, I will mention Donald Trump because I was reading Time Magazine. It came out right mm-hmm. before the election. And uh, on the back page, there was an interview and it said something about he sees the worst in people and he brings Mm. out the worst and he brings out (laughs) the worst people. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's what that's what she's talking about. He's he's a wound toucher. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, in some ways. So, number one, I think um, I'm not a fan of his, but I think he's a fantastically successful magician. He's put an enchantment on the whole, you know, giant swath of people and really touched them emotionally and gotten their support. And then just like you were saying, in touching wounds, he's also an amazing magnet for everybody's shadows. You know, any shadow projection that you may want to have, any, um, you know, like my own tendency, one of my intense shadows is a tendency to feel victimized and resentful. And so, you know, he really brings that out in me. And in lots of other people, he brings out hidden tendencies towards racism or misogyny or anything that they'd not been vocal about. They get to be more vocal about. He draws it out. It's really wild. And he's, he's quite, a, um, I, quite a figure. And this is quite a time in global history to be experiencing this. Yeah, it makes me think about what I said at the top of the show about raising hell. I feel like I don't believe in heaven and hell. I feel mm-hmm. that we make, you know, hell is of our own making, just as heaven is. And what a, what a powerful hellraiser does, I mean, there, it's, that's another double-edged sword. But somebody like yourself, let's say, who's raising hell with intention is 
to show us here's a shadow and here's what we do with it to empower ourselves. You know, we're someone maybe with uh, ill intent <laughs> might just go around raising that hill and calling up those shadows. I talk a lot about the law of attraction and how what is far more attractive is your shadow self than mm. any positive yeah. affirmations you can sit there and repeat all day long. The reason your magic isn't working, the reason law of attraction often isn't working for people is because they're on the surface and they're not understanding that the power of this shadow self that contains all of this magic and you can harness it or it is going to, it's going to run you. Oh, so precisely. I love to hear you express that, Joanna, because that is the essence of what I love to teach also, because it's just the truth. Like that is the plain truth. Thank you, Joanna. Yes. And yeah. something that's really interesting to me is um, my fiance is really into Norse magic and runes and all the Viking stuff. And I learned from him recently that actually our English word hell comes from the old Norse word that means the unconscious. So very literally, as you were talking about raising hell, that's exactly it is like bringing up what's in our unconscious and taking a look at it um that that is the key to magic like really getting it home down there and then when we do that <laughs> when these sort of figures who pop up who stimulate those hellish <laughs> things in us like Donald Trump who stimulate those kind of hellish things in the world we're able to be more present with it and see the way that he's mirroring us instead of just being sent into pure reactivity and misery and everything. Mm, that's so badass. I have uh, a friend, um, Sammy Lou. Hello, Sammy Lou. She lives down under, like she's in the Southern hemisphere and, but we've followed the wheel of the year around together. So it's Beltane for her when it's that mm. for me, for me. And, mm. um, or Halloween here for so many people. So I don't know if she started this, but she's the one that brought it to my attention that we should call it Helltane. <laughs> and I just, what you're saying right now is making me think of that. I should also mention Neil Gaiman has a book coming out on Norse mythology, like right away. Like that's his next book for anybody who's interested in that. Oh yeah. Very exciting. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should all start talking about Helltane because <laughs> there's such a ring to it. It does have quite a ring to it. And it does sound quite appropriate because both Beltane and Samhain Halloween are about those liminal transition times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want, speaking of transition, this is kind of an awkward transition, but uh, I titled today's show Awaken Your Genius. And mm -hmm. I've kind of had that in the back of my head um, this whole time. So I think it's only fair to deliver on that promise. <laughs> um, yeah. I think we already have to some degree. I think a lot of your genius is in your shadow. But um, could you share with us at least one tip for how someone might go about awakening their genius beyond buying your book, obviously? <laughs> yes, so totally. So, yeah, so I do have a, a whole book on the subject called Awaken Your Genius. Um, and a really good, exciting place to start, I think, is just keeping 
really making a concerted effort to remember your dreams and write them down. Like Jung said, or maybe Freud said, that dreams are the royal road to the unconscious. And there's so many things, like even I go through periods where I basically refuse to remember and write down my dreams because I'll wake up in the morning and I'll have kind of a disturbed feeling. And I know that if I tried to remember my dream, I could remember it, but I sort of don't want to remember it because I feel disturbed. Well, exactly that kind of impulse is the one that I need to struggle against and that I encourage people to to push themselves with because the things that are most disturbing that our unconscious shows us in our dream life tend to have the most um, productive bearing on our creativity and our inspiration and really give us the most rich information about who the larger part of us really is. And I I wrote my book, Awaken Your Genius, actually a few years ago before I really got into shadow integration stuff. And it was sort of like the part of me that I was calling my genius led me into the shadow integration. And now I, I do think of it more in terms of that because, you know, uh, enlightenment really is all about making the unconscious conscious. And magical empowerment is about communicating our conscious intentions to our unconscious to the collective unconscious because that is the generative part of us and of the world so creating that um that sort of channel of communication that's already built in to each of us you know we each have nighttime dreams every night and it's just a matter of whether we are making the effort to remember them and record them and reflect on them that matters and not just remembering and recording them and reflecting on them. But sometimes I also like to do this thing and, and this is very powerful for sparking creativity and magic is to actually act out something that I've seen in a dream or that I've done in a dream in my waking life. And when I do that, I'm making the difference between my waking life and my nighttime dream life that much smaller. And I'm inviting my consciousness to integrate itself that much more, which means I become more in touch with the way that waking life is dreamlike and is fluid and is changeable, which is, of course, magic. That's genius. Speaking of genius, that's genius. (laughs) Uh, I think Robert Moss talks a bit about that, and um, I forget, he has a name for it. I forget what it's called, but what would that look like? So are we talking about dreams where other people are involved? Are you standing in your underwear in your living room, like pretending like an actor or are you actually orchestrating your life to live it out in, you know, out in the world beyond your living room? Right. So it could be any combination of those. So for example, something that happened recently was my partner and I did a spell with a specific rune type sigil that he had made specifically to encourage um, mutual lucid dreaming. And then the next night after we did that with that sigil, I had a dream in which I saw him spray painting the sigil on a wall downtown in the city where I live. And then I woke up and it wasn't a lucid dream and and I don't think it was a mutual dream, although it may have been, he didn't, he couldn't remember precisely, but The point being, I know that somebody, one of us, either me or him, needs to be 
putting that sigil up somewhere. So he thinks we should do it with real spray paint. I'm kind of a good girl. I'm, I still have a goody two shoes in me. And I'm like, no, we should just do it with chalk. But <laughs> either way, <laughs> it needs to happen. And so things like that, getting information, and of course, that's an especially meta example, because that was a sigil specifically created for dreaming. Um, there's other examples, like, for example, <laughs> what's a good one? Um, like in a dream, I'll dream about eating a certain kind of food. Like I had a dream one night that I was in a like frozen yogurt shop, and I was eating strawberry frozen yogurt stuff. So the next day I made it a point to eat strawberry frozen yogurt. And that may sound very uh, kind of dumb and a little bit simple. And it it is quite simple. But to me, doing that sort of thing affirms and strengthens the relationship and the conversation between my waking life and my dream life. And so much of art inspiration comes from the larger part of me that speaks so freely in my dreams and that I sometimes, and I think all of us humans sometimes have difficulty tapping into when we're in our waking lives and we're thinking about the bills and what to make for dinner and all of the ordinary stuff. I'm so glad you shared that example because it's something that is doable. (laughs) You know, strawberry frozen yogurt is something that people can can do. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so they can start small and start that conversation going with themselves, that relationship in a way and strengthening that bond with their, the deeper levels of their psyche. I also, I so love the idea of having a partner in magic Mm -hmm. and in life and in sex. And I know uh, you have some experience with sex magic. I won't force you to talk about it, (laughs) but I would love it if you would um, talk a little bit about your background or your ideas or anything to do with sex magic, because that's something that I haven't talked much about here, like briefly in passing, but you're so articulate and I have a feeling you could really bring a lot to that conversation. Yeah, thank you, Joanna. It's one of my favorite subjects. I love sex magic. So uh, let's see, my background specifically, like part of the heritage of witchcraft that I inhabit, I like to call it American orgasmic witchcraft, because as far as I can tell, it really sparked to life in the 1950s in Los Angeles, around the time when um, Jack Parsons and Marjorie Cameron were doing workings in the Aleister Crowley kind of tradition and things were just getting really weird in 1950s LA in fact I hear they're still wonderfully weird out there I need to come visit really bad but um and then connected to that organizations came into being such as Morehouse and One Taste now both of those organizations have somewhat uh controversial reputations which I think are pretty well deserved and I spent time in One Taste uh, and it's it's interesting. It's a tricky thing because I don't feel like I can freely recommend to people that they go study with One Taste because, once again, there are problematic, difficult things about the way that they run their organization that I'm not sure I can wholeheartedly endorse. But at the same time, I did learn an immense amount from them. And, of course, they teach a practice called orgasmic meditation, which is a 15-minute partnered practice where um, – a partner, usually a guy, but it could be any gender, strokes uh, a woman's clitoris 
very gently for 15 minutes. And the point of the meditation is just for both partners to keep their focus on the physical sensations that are occurring. And it's a very specific way that they set it up. It's always the same. Um, There's a timer, there's gloves, there's a specific kind of lube, there's a specific sequence. It's not like freewheeling, sexy, orgy time. It's a very Spartan approach (laughs) to clitoral stroking. It's sort of like, I think of it as the Zen of Tantra. You know, how Zen is very spare and very pared down. And Tibetan Tantra and Hindu Tantra is all very colorful and elaborate. Well, it's sort of like the spared, pared-down version. So anyways, orgasmic meditation. I was in that for a number of years, and I learned an immense amount. And I saw magic go down that I still, I would love to describe to people, but I literally, I'm a writer and a good one, and I still can't find words exactly to describe what I saw. There were amazing things that happened through that. And it really connected me to the truth of the fact that women, all of us with our clitorises, with our pussies, we are running, we have batteries that are the same as they're the creative energy that makes the universe, the goddess energy, so to speak. And by cultivating that sexual energy through things like stroking or, you know, just through regular lovemaking or however you want to do it, really cultivating and really honoring it, we strengthen our power and our manifestation power. So something that we would experiment back in those one taste days was just with visualizing sigils while we were doing the orgasmic meditation practice. And that's pretty standard. That's connected to the whole Austin Osmond spare chaos magic, 1980s, 1990s, Grant Morrison sigil charging stuff. So we would do that. Um, These days, Um, My partner and I, Taya, we still own, and we also do, so like, for example, when we did that dreaming sigil, we had painted that on each other with henna, and so we could see it as we made love, and we made love, and we charged that sigil and really brought it, gave it a ton of energy, and it's so many interesting things have happened out of that like for example when people sleep over our house we have friends sleep over here all the time and they tell us they always have really intense dreams and it's pretty clear to me that that's because they're in this field that we created with the power of sex energy connected to this very specific dream schedule so there's all sorts of super cool things like that that can be done and In a way, I think all magic is sex magic because all magic relies on electricity, kundalini, like the energies of life. And that life energy is not really separable from sex energy. Yeah. I heard that earlier this year and was repeating it here, there, and everywhere. All magic is sex magic. And the more you think about it, the more true it is. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. That's maybe the most exciting five minutes that have ever happened on this podcast. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, yeah. And I'm glad we got a little personal because I've always thought that you had this kind of Wizard of Oz thing going on. Not that you're a sham like he was, but just in the way that you, who you are as a human person is something of a mystery. A lot of people read your magazine. It was Bad Witches, now it's Witch. 
And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people know that for you. FYI, if you're one of those people and you're not subscribed to Carolyn's newsletter, you must immediately change that about your life. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, who you are as a human person, it's still a little mysterious. And I would love to at least get a peek behind the wizard's curtain here to find out like more, like who is Carolyn Elliott? Like what was your personal journey toward becoming a witch and then a public one at that I know you just mentioned part of it which is what got me on this rant right now but I want to know yeah thank you Joanna yeah so um well I'm definitely going to answer that question right now and I also want to throw out there just like you and I were talking earlier I am about to start a podcast with Taya called Grit and Grace um a podcast for magical people handling real life and we are hopefully I'm going to be sharing much more of the personal <laughs> intimate things. So that's that'll all be out there soon. And thank you for the encouragement and the inspiration to do that, Joanna. Um, so, so excited that's happening. I mean, you are really as a writer and a speaker, one of the most articulate people I have ever uh, experienced, for lack of a better word. I think your podcast is going to rock. Oh, yay. Yay. That makes me so happy to hear. Thank you. Yeah. So to answer your question, um, my history, well, so I pretty much became public as a witch after my time in One Taste. It was very inspiring in that regard, and it helped me become very clear within myself that my witchiness, as I've mentioned, is not a is not contingent on how well I observe the full moon or how many spells I specifically cast, but rather my witchiness and the witchiness of everybody is an inherent quality of my humanity and, and of my power and my freedom. And it's not something that it stopped being something that I had to prove to myself or something that I had to feel shy about claiming or thinking that like you know because I can't make lasers shoot out of a Harry Potter wand I'm not magical enough right so I yeah so I can make I can make lightning strike from my clitoris so I figured that's (laughs) pretty good and all can it depends on you know cultivation and all of these things so I was realizing this Uh, But I had a long history with magic. My father, who I have a rather complex relationship with, I will still always need to be grateful to him because, uh, let's see, when I was growing up, my mother used to have me going to Sunday Catholic school, very Pittsburgh-style, working-class Catholic was my mother and her side of the family. Whereas my father, he had sort of stumbled into the fortunate situation of marrying my mother, who's a very down-to-earth person and who helped take care of him and still helps take care of him. Because my father is a very eccentric, um, poetic, whimsical person who literally, I like to say, never met a cult he didn't like. Mm. My father in the 1960s nearly ended up going to Jonestown. <laughs> and oh, my God. He didn't um, because he didn't like the way that Jim Jones was treating the black people in the group. So, but he almost did. He was right there. He was hanging out with the Church of the Unification Brotherhood. And before that, he was hanging out with Elizabeth Clare Prophet and the University of the Ascended Masters and all of these super far out things. Wild. So, very wild. And 
he came to Pittsburgh and fell in love with my mother and they settled down. And of course, then my father, he was still involved with very many esoteric things. So as a child, I would go to Catholic Sunday school and mass. And then with my father in the afternoon, he would take me to the Rosicrucian temple, um, the Wiccan celebrations, the Druid celebrations, the Buddhist temples, the Hindu temples. We participated in anything and everything. Anybody who could tolerate my father's company, we would go there because he would annoy people and we would get kicked out and have to find other. (laughs) (laughs) And I, sometimes I see my qualities like, Oh goodness gracious. Anyways, I have a lot of my father in me. I love you, dad. But, um, we would, yeah, have those kinds of experiences. So I had a very rich experience as a child growing up with magic and conversations with my father. And he would share with me things about Egyptian mythology and Christian Gnosticism and Kabbalah and really a very elaborate occult education for a child to have, my father gave me. And as I grew older, in my early 20s, I tried to distance myself from that. I was like, oh, well, that's all dorky stuff that my father likes. And I actually tried to become like a mainstream Christian. And I still, I do love Jesus. I like to call him queer witch Jesus because that's really obvious to me. Um, super love him. Super not really into the church stuff. But I could get with church people on the premise of how into Jesus I am. So I would try to hang out there. But as I was trying to do that, I kept realizing that I was having all kinds of very heretical thoughts. And I was like, geez, maybe I should spare these nice Christian people from me and my thousands of heresies. So I kept going and kept searching. And eventually, in my late 20s, wound up in the place where I was like, you know what, I think I can own this whole witch thing. I grew up with it. And I've just had these very vivid experiences with sex magic and I think I have things to share with people and um, open them up in the same ways that I've been opened up. Is that when Bad Witches was born? Is like is that like what were you uh, hoping to achieve with that magazine? Is that was that supposed to be your own blog or uh, how did that start? Great question. How did that start? So I think that started when it was sort of a, a project um, my friend Laura initially, Laura has a wonderful website. Well, she and her husband collaborate on something called Naked Geometry these days. Uh, and I think she also has a website called Magical Thinking. But anyways, Laura and I just wanted to start something fun with a bit of attitude because we both noticed that we were into magic in a way that the Wiccan sort of, it's funny to call Wiccan mainstream, but, you know, Wiccan, Pagan, Blessed Be, Merry Meet, all that stuff, like, we weren't really into that, but we were really into, uh, uh, well, magic, <laughs> and so not only had I been doing the stuff with the sex magic and one taste, but I had been also, for a few years, organizing really wonderful summer solstice celebrations where we did very dramatic theatrical rituals. And I was involved with a group called Evolver, which was connected to the magazine Reality Sandwich and Daniel Pinchbeck. And I had had exposure to the way that 
a magazine can really grow a social movement because Evolver was a social movement and a network of people and they were all connected to this magazine that Daniel had created called Reality Sandwich, which published a lot of stuff about psychedelics and climate change and consciousness alteration. So I was connected with a group of people about six years ago starting to do all of that. And that was actually where I first met Taya. My partner was in Evolver and we would throw these parties together. So there's also a very, I guess I'm emphasizing that because there's a very strong magical community in Pittsburgh and I want to give them a big shout out because I love them all so much and they're crazy and they're wild and they don't fit definitions of pagan Wiccan stuff. They're just plain magic. <laughs> and, oh, and that's that sort of what, so good. Uh, yeah, so that's sort of what we wanted to reflect with Bad Witches was um, this kind of edgier, younger, kind of fresh take on witchcraft and magic and life. And that's how it all started. So it, I intended it to be a community, you know, endeavor, a social movement endeavor from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, and then you moved on to leading a community of your own, really. Like, you do courses or programs. Um, Thrill comes yeah. to mind. What are the names of your programs that you've done? Sure. So I teach um, probably the signature program right now is a course I teach called Influence um, on Mastering Practical Magic. And my class, Thrill, is a writing class. So for people who are building businesses online and want to have some great tools to really connect with audiences and do their marketing, Thrill is kind of about that side of things. And also writing is a form of magic. Like I think of myself as a word witch, and words are the main magical tool that I use. So we talk about that a bit in Thrill and also in Influence. They all sort of weave together. And I've just started teaching a course with Taya called D.A.R.E. on commanding liminal magic, liminal magic being this sort of weird dream stuff that I'm talking about and also divination and all kinds of fun things. But that I only offer that to people who have already taken influence. So all of this is to say, Joanna, thank you for the shout out about the newsletter, The Witch List, because if people go to badwitch.es, there is a form that pops up that, you know, asks for your email list, email address. Um, and if you give us your email address, you will get all of the information about these courses, all of the musings that pop into my head, and announcements about when the podcast Grit and Grace starts. Nice. Good. I'm, I'm glad they have that information. I... I joked with you when we spoke for the first time that like, I love to hate you <laughs> because <laughs> reading your newsletter, I'm always like, Oh my God, like you're saying what I want to say and what I do say in my opinion, so much better than I ever could. I'm always just like, are you kidding me? Like it's, you're just a really fierce, concise writer and it really challenges me to stretch and grow and really push myself every time I get a newsletter from you I'm like damn her she's done it again <laughs> well I'm very honored Joanna and I know what you mean I, I, I know that feeling and I also really feel like I'm so excited 
to have, you know, to connect with you and to get to learn more all about the work that you do, because I feel like we are, we've arrived at the same conclusions about magic. And I think that that conclusion is just so huge, you know, and, and bigger than the both of us, really. I feel like it's uh, pretty much the essence of what the world needs to know right now to have a chance of surviving. <laughs> so it's really, really cool that you're broadcasting this and putting this out there. Like, oh. yeah. Thank you. I totally agree. I think, I think this is not the time to get sent back to the victimhood. I think it's time that we, that we, you know, people that are upset, let's say, about the election results in America. I know not everybody was. There are people that are celebrating and are excited about it. But for the people that, that are feeling victimized, I think it's time to pull up your big girl panties and, and get the witch in, witch in. <laughs> it's time oh, now. Yeah. Witch yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's a potent, potent moment. Mhm. Yeah, and I love um I love a community that that challenges each other and I love the strong voices that are coming out right now. And I feel like uh witch is such a polarizing term, but it's also a very energizing term. And most of my listeners are not witches. They don't identify with that, and that's why I named the show today Awaken Your Genius because I was trying mm-hmm. to trick them. And if you're still listening, <laughs> it worked. Um, because what I know what you have to say is important for all of us. It is not exclusive to witches. Thank you, Joanna. Yes, and um, it's really beautiful to hear you affirm that. I've actually just slowly started accepting that truth in my own heart and mind. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I think we can look at like the phenomenon of of Harry Potter and and the like and see that like people crave magic, like they desperately crave it. And I think the difference between someone who like loves a Harry Potter series or something like it and someone that calls themselves a witch, although you could be both, is someone that recognizes that magic is real (laughs) and that it's it's human and it's innate in us all. And uh, so it's a good message to be putting out right now. Is grit and grace going to be focused on magic? Is it going to be focused on sex magic? Is I mean, what is that specifically going to be about? Yeah, so we have all sorts. We, I, we have a list of fun topics here. Um, so let's see. I think our first episode is called Magic as Fuck. The next one is called Relationships. The next one is called Do It If You're Bad. The next one is called um, Better Relationships Through Astrology. <laughs> so we have, like, all of these sort of things that are just kind of really we just want to meet people where they're at and talk, uh, you know, with our general wisdom and also about the cult things when they're relevant. Nice. So it is. Nice. Yeah, like, it's, a, it's about both doing the hard, painful work of change and making things happen and also opening up to that beautiful divine magical grace. Yeah. You could almost say it's grace through grit in a way. Um, they go. Hand oh yeah. In hand. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I hope that we tap into that fun Americana kind of thing. Cause I think that grit and grace 
is sort of a notion that's deeply within the spiritual consciousness of the sort of the American vibe. And I want to speak to people around the world, but I also want to really activate that here in our country right now. Nice. Well, when can we look forward to this happening? Uh, Great question. So the podcast will officially launch on Christmas Day this year, so December 25th. You can look for it in iTunes. And if you join the witch list, you'll get lots of announcements and leading up to that, stuff like that. You'll you'll get reminders to tune in. Oh, it's a witchy Christmas present for everyone. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, well, I... I would love to end. Um, You have given us so many cool tips and tricks, um, but the theme of just my overall business, which is kick-ass witch, is creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. So for all muggles out there and witches, but just for everybody in general, uh, what would be one of your best tips for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? Oh, boy. So I would say uh, one of my best tips for that is really to take a look at your life using the axiom, having is evidence of wanting. And when I take a look at my life in that way, I usually get some very clear information about who I actually am and what I actually want, which is quite different than who I tend to think I am and what I tend to think that I want. So right now I take a look at my life and I'm struggling with a nicotine habit. I smoke, even though I've quit in the past of, I restarted recently and I'm struggling with it again. And when I'm very honest with myself, I want to have that addiction. I want to have that struggle. There's something in me that is satisfied by it and entertained by it and likes to feel angsty about it. And I know that my healing from it will come from that honesty and not from hating myself for it or denying that I want to have it or anything like that because my healing in many ways has come from that. So I used to be in abusive, possessive relationships. I used to really struggle with poverty and all of those things. And when I took a look at them through the lens of having is evidence of wanting and in a really non-judgmental, non-shaming, gentle, humorous way, took a look at the parts of myself that really desired situations of scarcity and situations of super drama and controllingness in my relationships, I began to and laugh at, laugh at myself and really laugh at the human comedy that I am instead of taking myself so seriously and staying really stuck. That's what I would recommend oh. is that full honesty. Thank you so much for sharing that. Having is evidence of wanting. We can all meditate on that. And when it comes gratitude time, whether you're doing that, at, you know, during Thanksgiving or you're doing it in December, like keep that in mind, I think is really powerful. Um, and I know people practice gratitude daily, but that's an interesting thing to be grateful for too. <laughs> it's like the dance, the dance with the nicotine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Well, our connection is starting to cut out. So I think that's a sign from the universe that, that that werewolf that's trying to bust through your back door or window, whoever that is, <laughs> needs your attention more than we do right now. So thank you so much for blessing us today with this 
awesome interview. You are fabulous. Oh, thank you, Joanna. It's such a joy. I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Yeah. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Much love. Peace.